you, what you need to do, if you may have forgotten something, is to get up and to go into the restroom because we have a gift for you in there. Now, the problem is I wasn't able to get into your houses and that's breaking and entering and all that kind of stuff. So guys, you're on your own on this Mother's Day. So if you didn't get a card, you need to make up an excuse that you need to go to Dollar General or to Giant or Walmart somewhere so you can go get her a card because you don't want to forget this day. And here's the thing. We need to make sure that for our Mother's Day, it's not just about one day a year that we thank our mothers. We should be doing so every single day. So let's not forget that. And here's the thing. I know that there are many different mothers that are out there today, and we say Happy Mother's Day. I also know it can be a difficult day for some of you because on Mother's Day, it's hard because you've been trying really, really hard, and, and it just hasn't happened yet. But give everything over to the Lord, because we know that with our faithfulness, He will provide for us. And maybe not in biological children. And again, I want to say to you, there are so many options that are available to you. Um, foster care, adoption, just being an aunt or working with some of our children and youth that that you can influence their lives. Um, So again, just wanted to take this opportunity to say happy Mother's Day to all of our ladies that are out there listening today. Uh, Also want to make an announcement uh, for you and ask for your prayer that uh, uh, as you may have heard this past Friday, the governor um, did a little bit of a flip-flop Two Fridays ago, he said um, in his news conference, and then it came out and it stated that once we go in, not to phase one, but into phase two, that we could start having gatherings of 50 or less. But then this past Friday, he made the statement that churches underneath of phase one can open to 50% capacity. Now, we're trying to work through all of that. And uh, I'm asking for your prayer because um, right after the service today, uh, I'm meeting with the elders and we're going to be praying about this. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be putting a plan into action. We will be communicating that to you. So I just ask that uh, you you just be patient with us as we try to work through that. Um, And and then as we look forward to what that looks like, because um, he says that we may go into phase one this coming Friday on the 15th, but we don't know for sure what that will look like. So I'm just asking for prayer and patience as we work through this, as we um, make those tentative plans um, of, of, of reopening. And, and I want to make sure that um, I, I emphasize this to you, because there's some of you that even through all of this, um, maybe you, you have um, a, an illness or you have something that may uh, cause you not to want to come out to church because of this COVID-19. And we want you to know that we understand and that we will still be coming to you live. Even once we're back in person here, we will still be offering our services, streaming to Facebook every single week, and we will still be um, putting the audio onto uh, the website
night every single Sunday afternoon. So we're going to have multiple ways to be able to connect with you. So please, um, I, I want to make sure that you understand that, that uh, we're going to do our best uh, to communicate it to you and to prayerfully make the decision that we feel is best for our congregation. So please make sure you keep that uh, in, in your prayer. Uh, and, and through all of this, our, our, our life groups are still meeting. Um, and if you are not a part of a life group and you would like to join one of those groups, uh, just reach out to me. Put it in the comments and say, hey, Travis, um, send me information on life groups. Or you can uh, email me. You can text me. Not right now because I'm actually preaching to my phone right now. Um, but uh, I just encourage you, please make sure that you uh, connect with us. Let us know if you want to be a part of one of our Bible studies, one of our life groups. We want to get you connected and plugged into our church however we can. Also, we are still collecting food for Serve. We have the uh, donation box set up out front. Um, or you can give it uh, directly to serve. Uh, we're, we're still collecting those non-perishable items. It's completely contactless. You can come to the church. The bucket is set outside. You can put your items into there and then they get taken directly to serve or you can drop them off in the bins at serve as well. So don't forget that. Make sure that you're checking Facebook for other announcements and other things uh, that are happening. We're going to dig into um, our, our scripture this morning. We're still in the book of James. We're in James uh, chapter 2 here this morning. And, and I don't know about you, but one of the things that I absolutely love to do is to read church signs. Um, and, and there's a lot of bloopers that are out there. I, you know, I, I try to look at them as I drive by, and Lisa's always putting great things out um, on our signs out front here, at, or our sign here at the uh, front of the church. It's, she usually has a different one on the front and the back, but there's some great signs that have been out there. And I just want to share a few of my favorite ones. Uh, one of them says, whoever is praying for the rain for farmers, please stop. We asked for it two months ago and we need to put it to an end. Another one is, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Having trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. Now, one of them that was a little bit longer, but um, I, I found this one and thought it was just downright hilarious and sad all at the same time. The Light Church, L-I-T-E, The Light Church, 24% fewer commitments, home of the 7.5% tithe, 15-minute sermons, 45-minute worship services. We only have eight commandments, your choice. We use just three spiritual laws, and we have an 800-year millennium. Everything you wanted in a church and less. Now, when we think about these different churches, especially that last one, it gets a little bit concerning and it gets a little sad because so many times we're looking for less and less commitment in our life because everything is so busy. So we want to be able to tune in um, to, to listen to our podcast as we're driving or we want to listen to sermons as we're on our way to work. We, we want to be able to come to church. We want to do it and we want to get out so we can get on with the rest of our lives, with the rest of our day, with the rest of our week. And we've made that check mark. And, and that's a little concerning. And while we don't have the, the they didn't have the busyness that we have today um, where we are living, um, they still had a lot of things going on. And James really wants to drive in for this. Last weekend, uh, we learned if you want God's favor, don't treat people with favoritism. And as we continue our series called Collision, we come to the heart of the book of James. 
It's found in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And here's what we're going to learn today. We're not saved by works, but saved people do God's work. Now, in this section of Scripture, in these 12 verses, the word faith is actually used 11 different times, and it's used in at least three different ways for us. The first one is superficial faith. Superficial faith. James begins with two questions in verse 14. He says, What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? He's basically asking, what's the use or advantage of saving faith? what's What's the advantage of saying you have faith but there's nothing to back it up? And again, I absolutely love what James does here. You can tell that he has learned a little bit from the way in which his brother, half-brother Jesus spoke. Because he has this tender-hearted, loving way uh, of talking. And he again, he calls them in by calling them brothers. He's talking to those that were close to him. And he, he brings them in. He draws them in by calling them close to his heart. And then he gives them a very tough section of scripture that they need to listen in to. He he then gives an unforgettable example. Look at verses 15 through 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? Now, notice that this fellow is a fellow believer. This person that James is talking about is a fellow believer. It says here, if a brother or sister. So it was someone that they knew. Someone that was close to them that didn't have a lot of stuff. James really drives it home to us. Again, practical to our daily lives. I want you to think about the people that are around you as we dig through this scripture, as we read through this scripture. Who is it that you need to be reaching out to? Who is it that doesn't just need your faith, that doesn't just need your words, but needs your works, that needs your actions to back it all up here? He makes it personal and says, and one and if one says brother or sister the phrase go in peace was a common jewish greeting but here is also the connotation that's happening go away go in peace just 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 go away get out of my sight it's time for you to to shuffle on because I've seen that you're poor and I've seen that you don't have things and it kind of makes my heart break but it doesn't make my heart break enough to give you money or to give you food or to give you clothes so before I feel too guilty, go away. That's really what James is saying here. Notice how James uses the phrase, what good is it? He uses it two times to show superficial faith is absolutely useless. We can't talk it if we're not willing to walk it. Workless faith is worthless faith. Workless faith 
is worthless faith. We see something similar in, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. John says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, the wish for this brother or sister to be warm and filled with food, it's not only empty, it reveals a dead faith, James talks about here. And as we read this, as I wrote this, as I put this sermon together, it really made me think. Because one of the things that... I'm, I'm used to saying is I'll say somebody gives me a prayer request and they tell me that they're having hardships or there's troubles and I'll say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm praying for you. But in essence, what I should be doing and one of the things that I've really been working hard on is when someone comes to me with something, I just need to stop and say, can we pray? Right now, whether it's over the phone, whether you know it's in person, whether whatever it is, not only am I praying for you, I'm going to do it right now. We need to make sure that we start taking our faith and putting it into action. Otherwise, it is a dead faith. We see this in verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A faith that does not lead to actions is lifeless. The word dead here is necros, and it means corpse. Completely, utterly dead. It is useless. At first glance, it appears that James and Paul, if we, you know much about the Apostle Paul and, and some of, many of the things that Paul writes, we would think that maybe they were at odds together because we read certain passages from Paul and we would say, well, Paul is all about just saving faith, that it's no works, there's nothing else to be involved in there. We are saved by grace through faith apart from works. And James here seems to be saying faith plus works is what we need to have in order to be saved. But before we go there, there is no small matter because it deals with how one is made right before a holy God. Are we justified by faith alone or are we justified by faith plus works? Here's where it really comes to play. And this is what we really want to dig into here we actually find that both Paul and James show the importance of having faith and works together. Instead of being contradictory, they're actually complementary. Paul stresses the root of salvation while James emphasizes the fruit of salvation. Chuck Swindoll says, Paul explains how one gains entrance into salvation. James examines how one gives evidence of it. Another person said this, they're not soldiers of different armies fighting against each other, but soldiers of the same army fighting back against enemies coming in opposite direction. And that's what we have to understand, that we have been called to put our backs to one another. We have been called to put our backs not against one another, but a 
backing up against one another and then we can fight enemies of all different kinds. That's what we have been called to do as Christians. You see, salvation is by grace alone, in Christ alone, but good works prove our faith is genuine. Paul emphasizes the priority of faith while James focuses on the proof of faith. We're not saved by works, but saved people to do good works. I want you to listen to what Paul wrote. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, consistently mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith must always demonstrate itself in action. That is what Paul is saying. So if you're thinking right now, well, Paul is only talking about being saved by grace and he doesn't bring works into the picture at all, and, and, and that's it, Paul is actually right on the same page as what James is. They're just talking to different audiences and to different groups of people. Faith must always demonstrate itself in action. We don't work in order to be saved. We work because we are saved. We are not justified by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. True faith will always lead to new fruit. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, and then getting into 10, makes it clear that we are not saved by works. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's keep going and listen to verse 10 here. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not saved by our works, but rather a faith that works. Are we putting our faith into action? That's what Paul wants to really dig home. We, did, we then look at what Paul said in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to prepare purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Again, Paul makes it extremely clear that we have been called to do good works. Titus chapter 3 verse 8, he continues here. He says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. So let's be clear here again. We don't add actions to our faith in order to be saved, but saving faith will express itself in action. So let's make sure that we don't have a superficial faith, that it's we're just talking about it. It's all about the talk and not about the walk. Let's make sure that we are putting it into action every single day. So if we see someone that needs food, if we see someone that needs clothing, that we will take care of them. It was Andy Stanley that uh, said, if you see that person um, sitting and working along the side of the road, and they, set, they have that sign that says, we'll work for food or, or in need of money, and in your heart you say, I'm not giving him anything that I have. 
It's you that needs to give the money more than that person needs your money. So let's make sure that we are putting our faith and our actions together here. So what's the second point here? Superficial faith that does not express itself in action is a dead faith. But then James goes on to talk about a syrupy faith. Now, I'm not talking Mrs. Butterworth here, okay? That, that's not the sweet emotional type of, uh, uh, that I'm talking about here. The, the syrupy faith that I'm talking about is excessively sentimental, that it's all about our feelings. And there's a lot of people that, well, it's all about what I feel when I come to church. And, and well, I, I walked away from church this morning and I just didn't feel it. Well, I think I'm gonna find another church because I didn't feel it in worship this morning when we sang those songs. Nothing moved inside of me. Well, I just didn't feel what Travis had to say this morning. Let's be careful that we don't overemphasize our feelings. Feelings are important, and we need to remember that. But let's make sure that we are looking deeply into this. Look at verses 18 through 19. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James wants to shake up the complacent believer. He wants to shake up the believer that has the behavior that doesn't reflect a dynamic faith. Now, when we're talking about a dynamic faith, it, it reminds me of what we read back in Acts chapter 1. When we go back to Acts chapter 1, the apostles are waiting there in Jerusalem, and they're told to wait where they were. Not do any actions, don't do anything, but in, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read there that when you receive power, and, and this word power is dunamis, it is dynamic, it is dynamite faith. And, and that's what we want to make sure that we are having. And James wants us to move into that dynamic faith, that dynamite, explosive powerful faith that we receive when we have the Holy Spirit inside of our lives. Look again at verse 19. You believe that God is, is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, James here is quoting from the Shema. It's um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Every Jewish person would have learned this when they were little, and they would have learned to recite these two verses here. We read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. You know, it's easy to say words of Scripture but it's our works that show that we believe what Scripture actually says here. To recite the Shema is a good idea, but we can't just stop there. We have to make sure that it has action behind it. And, and when James says what he says here, he says, even you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, when we, were, when we read that, one of the things that we need to understand is that the demons, those fallen angels, including Satan, 
they're orthodox in their faith. They actually know the scriptures inside and out. It was Satan who actually used the scriptures against Jesus when he was being tempted. Now, he constantly is twisting them and perverting them like what he did to Eve back in the garden, but he knows it. And all of the demons, they know it. They are not agnostic. They are not atheist. They know and they believe that God exists. They believe that Jesus is the Savior. They believe that the Holy Spirit seals every believer. It even says here, they know all these things and they shudder. The word was used for, for goosebumps. You ever had that feeling? Yeah. You get scared a little bit and, and you start getting goosebumps all over you. The word here for shudder is goosebumps. It is to quake with fear and to bristle up. Listen, the accept, acceptance of a creed doesn't mean you're converted. Your doctrine can be correct while you live in darkness. You, you, you can recite a creed. You can say a prayer. You can read scripture. You can recite scripture. But if it doesn't make its way from here to here and out here and with our hands, it is a dead, useless, useless faith. The demons believe. The demons know, yet they don't have that saving grace inside of their lives. There's no action to go with it. Yes, they believe, but they don't want anything to do with it, and they're trying to destroy it every chance that they possibly can. Let's make sure that we are not destroying God's work. Let's make sure that we are doing God's work. The man with superficial faith is only engaged intellectually, while those with syrupy faith, that sentimental faith, are simply engaged emotionally. Maybe you've settled in your head and in your heart, but you're still not living out that faith. It's not working its way out through your hands and feet. You know, Paul talks about being the body and being the hands and feet of Jesus. One of our values here at the church, we have four different values that we were lost and found, that, that we were away from God, we were apart from God, we were far away from Him, yet we have been found and we have been saved and we've been made new. That's our second one. But that third one is what I want to hone in on here for just a second. And it says that we are His hands. We have been called. Jesus isn't here anymore. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. It is up to us to do his work while we live here on this earth, to come in contact with as many people as we possibly can while keeping six foot of distance, but coming in contact with those and sharing the gospel of faith. And listen, I understand when I say that, in these times, we bristle up and we shudder just a little bit of we've got to keep our distance and we've got to wear our masks. And we, But listen, right now you can invite them to come and be a part of what we're doing. They can, you can share this because once we go live here, we save it and then it's on the Facebook page for them to see at any point. And you can just send them to the Facebook page to check it out. Who's your one more? How can you be the hands and feet of Jesus? 
How can you take care of someone this week? Can you bring food in? Can you, I, I, I asked this last week, I, I went live on Facebook quickly um, and, and said, hey, we could be opening soon and we want to make sure that we have enough supplies. So if you're out and about and you find gloves, if you find disinfectant, if you find Clorox, if you find hand sanitizer, if you find soap, whatever it is that you find, if you can just bring that into the church, you can leave it out front and we'll make sure it gets where it needs to get. That is a way for you to be the hands and feet. You can help with serve. But please, make sure that you are putting your faith into action. That brings us to our final point. Saving faith. Saving faith engages the head, the heart, and the hands. A superficial or syrupy faith is words without work and emotions without actions. I want you to look at verse 20 here. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? A foolish person is one who is empty or hollow. The word useless means lazy or idle. If we think saving faith can exist with no fruit, we are fools. After asking a rhetorical question in verse 20, James asked two more questions to get us to consider two Old Testament examples of saving faith. Each of these individuals exhibited a faith that affected their head, their heart, and their hands. While coming from different backgrounds and different experiences, both of them demonstrated their faith by their actions. Let, let's just, before we get into the scripture, let's talk about these two people. We have Abraham and we have Rahab. We have a man and we have a woman. We have a Jewish man and a Gentile woman. We have the father of the Jews and then we have a foreigner. We have someone who is reputable versus someone who is scandalous. Someone who is moral, someone who is immoral. Someone who is a revered patriarch, someone who is a redeemed prostitute. You know, we're making these all different uh, decisions between who each of them are. This is the awesome part. Saving faith and fruit saving faith and fruit. Let's first start by looking at Abraham. Look at verses 21 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. The word counted is a financial term. It means to put into the account. Some of you have already received your stimulus check and it was put into your account. Some of you are looking at your account going, I wonder if I received it right now. But it's to be put into one's account. You see, when Abraham believed, God put righteousness into his account. When Abraham lived out his faith, it completed his faith. It means to be brought to maturity. Abraham was not saved by offering up his son. That's not what saved him. That was the action. That was the fulfillment 
of the faith that he knew that God would protect him and take care of him all the way through. He was not saved by faith plus works, but a faith that works. Look at verse 24. James restates that his thesis. He says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. How do we know Abraham had faith? Well, we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He was also called here a friend of God by James. Jesus said that in John 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Abraham's actions proved his faith was alive. Now let's look at verse 25. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Now Rahab, she ran a house of ill repute. She hid, though, the two Hebrew spies and gave them a, a safe escape route. That There's no way she could have done that if she had not first put her faith in God. She gave a clear statement of faith. If we go back to the Old Testament and we read in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, for the Lord your God, this is Rahab speaking, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. Rahab didn't have to say she believed. Her behavior gave evidence of her belief. This is clearly stated in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Her faith worked. Abraham's faith worked when he took his son Isaac to sacrifice him. Rahab had a faith that worked because she hid those spies, she helped them out, and then she was saved along the way. So awesome to be able to see this. You know, she not only responded with her mind and her emotions, she engaged, she engaged her will through works. Do you know how God honored Rahab through all of this? It was a legacy that she would leave, not just because of what happened, and we read about her in Joshua. We read about her here in Hebrews chapter 11. God honored her faith by giving her a place in the lineage of Jesus. What greater honor, because she had a faith that worked. See, we are saved by faith, and we're called to prove our faith. Abraham was saved by faith and proved by faith by offering his son. Rahab was saved by faith and proved her faith by protecting the spies. This is true for a respected patriarch and for a redeemed prostitute. And it's true for every one of you who are listening right now. You can have that saving faith in your life. 
No matter how great your sins are, I want you to know that you can be forgiven. Jesus has already done the work. God started it by sending his son. Jesus accepted it by coming. He did all of the work that needed to be done by going to the cross for your sins. He made that choice for you. Verse 26 uses a brief illustration and concludes with a strong summary statement. James says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works is dead. James is concluding by saying something like this. If you see a body that is not breathing, you can conclude that it is dead. If you see faith that does not produce good works, you can conclude that it is a dead faith. Faith is the root and good works are the fruit of our faith. Paul in in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation and do so with fear and trembling. Let's make sure that we are working out our salvation every single day. We're not saved by works, but we're saved people to do good works. We don't want to be a light church which skates by on the surface and just serves up syrupy sermons. We want our sign to say that we're not saved by works, but saved people do good works at Stafford County Christian Church. We've come to that part of the service where we're going to partake in communion. We're going to take the bread and the juice, and I have that in front of me here, and maybe you have stopped at the church and you've picked up the little wafers that we have and the juice that we have. Maybe you're using a cinnamon roll in your coffee. Maybe you're using Cheez-Its or Doritos. Whatever it is that you're using, I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. That he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the juice after the meal and he passed it again. And this was the cup of redemption. And it was passed around again. And he said, drink this, do this in remembrance of me. We have been called to remember what our Lord did. And so each week we partake of communion, remembering that ultimate awesome sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that we could be saved and that we could do good works. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you. Father, as we partake of of the bread and the juice, we remember what you did for us, that you sent your son, that he would be a ransom for each one of us. We thank you for your son that he stayed. It was hard. It was difficult. It was enduring. 
He could have left at any moment. He could have said, I'm, I'm out, I'm done, I can't do this. Yet he stayed, he stayed for me. He stayed for each person who is listening and watching today. And we thank you for that gift. We thank you for your son. And we pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. have a commitment to make uh, you're giving your life to Jesus here you want to be baptized you want to be part of our church family uh, again uh, let us know let us know in the comments email